um, Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Our goal is to help others be more, do more, and have more. I'm your host, Gregory Turner. And I'm your co-host, Brian J. Henderson. Brian, we were having, sounds like we are having some technical difficulties, but that's okay. What I was asking you was, um, the people in your family over the past weekend that you've seen, uh, that you haven't seen in a long time, did any of them say anything to you uh, to the effects of, you know what, Brian, my life has changed. I'm not the same person that you knew uh, a while back. Did you run into that? Yeah, actually, I had an uncle who um, who was out there in the world, and, you know, he had gotten into a lot of trouble. He had been to jail, mm-hmm. and he actually received his license to preach on Sunday. Wow. You know, as a culmination of our family reunion, we had a church service, and uh, he was serving as an associate minister at the church, but he hadn't been licensed to preach. You know, and it was just an awesome testimony in itself because he had no idea he was going to receive his license that day. Hmm. It was sort of like a surprise. You know, it was a definite surprise to everybody because, you know, no nobody in the family had a clue that that's what was going to occur. You know, but when you hear his testimony, he just has an awesome testimony. And uh, I'm actually going to try to get him to come on the show one day. Good, And, good. you know, give his testimony about how his life has just been completely changed now that he's given it completely over to Christ. Mm. You know, you know but it was interesting because, you know, I saw some people who I hadn't seen in years, and they're like, man, we better take a picture of you because we may not see you for another five <laughs> or ten years. You know, and they just noticed that my life was completely different than what it was the last time they saw me. You know, they're like, man, you you just, it's just something about you that's just different. Yeah. You know, you know? when God cleans you up, he He definitely cleans you up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and they and that's what they saw, huh? Oh, yeah. Wow. And, like, uh, even with my grandparents, they noticed the change in me because I hadn't seen them in a couple of years. They live in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And, uh... They, you know, my grandmother, she cried when I told her we were getting ready to go because she's like, you know, she said, I really, really enjoyed y'all, you know. Mm-hmm. And she said, she, you know, she talked about, and, we you know, ironically enough, my whole family in Atlanta was talking about the show, <laughs> you know, and I had no idea they were listeners. Right. You know, it's just I sent an email to them one day, and I just, you know, left it at that. Nobody responded or anything. And everybody up there listens to the show, so. Shout out to my family in Atlanta. <laughs> you know what? You just never know who's listening. You never know when somebody's going through something. You know, our our thing is on this show is to try to have some type of solution based on the things that we've gone through in our life. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's a wonderful thing, but you just never know who's watching. You never know who's listening to what you're saying. So, you know, you just have to always be on guard. You always have to be, you know, mindful and prayerful that, that you know, people are paying attention to you and, you know, you can actually uh, minister to people. Yeah. And that that sounds like what you uh, did to your family. Yeah. Well, I guess I guess when you're talking to them and, and you know, that, that, that ministering sort of comes out, you know, because that you start talking about, well, I don't do that anymore because God has changed me. And so that in itself sounds like a testimony, you know. Right. So how was your weekend, Greg? My weekend was was, was good, man. I went to a conference in Texas, in San Antonio, Texas, and I was also there for a wedding. So it was it was good. It was good. 
Yeah, great, great, great. Yeah, you know, uh, so many people were talking about our last show on last Wednesday. We didn't do a show Friday because, you know, I was at the conference and the wedding and you were with your family during the family reunion. Everybody was emailing about DJ Clash. They wanted to hear more from him. And just so happened he called and said, well, Greg, I'm not done. There's more that I want to say. And I said, you know what, that just lines up with what with the emails that I've been receiving. Mm-hmm. So he's back on tonight. We'll get him on in a little bit so yeah. everybody can definitely hear from him. And he said he wanted to go just a little bit deeper this time. Right, right. Yes. You know, and and, and it's funny because in talking to him, and, we, you know, we actually told him this before, he teaches when yes. he talks. It's sort of like he, it was, he was born to do that particular thing. That, that has become his ministry. Because yeah. when he talks, you know, you're waiting for, to hear what he has to say. You know, and I know I am. I'm almost like to the point where whenever I talk to him, I'm just waiting on him to just reveal something that God has, has, has told him. Yeah. And it seems like it never ceases. Yeah. You know, he always has something that the Lord has given him to say. I just I just love his heart. Yeah. He's always looking out for people. He just, I mean, we spoke to him, what, maybe 10, 15 minutes ago or 20 mm-hmm. minutes ago, and he was asking us to pray for someone. You know, it, it's, it's, it's things like that that, you know, that, that you just know that a person is being genuine. You know, it's kind of hard to find genuine people these days. Yeah, absolutely. Because everybody's going through something, and everybody is not willing to go that extra mile because they're so they're so deep and lost into what they're going through. Right. That they tend to forget about others and they shut others out because it's, they want their situation to be better. But the key to that is to praise God all the way through it and continue um, trying to help others. That's the key. That's one of the keys, actually. Do you agree? Okay. You know, it, it, I remember that uh, something that my pastor would say, and I've heard it said so many times. It says, you know, if you're going through hell, don't stop. Yeah, don't Just stop. keep going. Yeah, don't <laughs> <You> stop. <know? laughs> and eventually you'll come on out the other side. Yeah. You know, a lot, a lot of times people are going through, they stay home and, they don't want to talk with anybody on the telephone, and mm-hmm. they, they close their curtains or whatever, and, and they, they want to stay in this dark place, and that's not what God wants you to do. Even though it's an uncomfortable feeling and it's just it's just rough, it's a rough feeling, you just have to trust and know that God is in control and he'll take care of your situation. There's no situation that he can't change. Absolutely. There's no situation that he won't change. So that's when we're that's when we're going through. That's when we have to be very very faithful. And that you know what we're I've said it before. We are in our best place when we're in that position, that uncomfortable position, because that's where our faith. If we use it right, that's where our faith will grow and we'll get stronger. Because if you look back over your life, God has taken you through so much. He's He's brought you out of so much. I want to say. And he's never failed you. No matter what you've gone through in your life, he's never failed you. You've been victorious in everything that you've ever been in. And I say that if you're still breathing, you're victorious. Mm -hmm. What what was the saying, Brian? If it it don't kill you. It makes you stronger. (laughs) (laughs) Have you had to give that? It makes you stronger. Brian, did you ever have have that talk with any of your family members? 
Oh, you know what? I've had that talk with them this weekend <laughs> with some of them. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's God is good. He's faithful. He may not move when we want him to move. The thing is, he's already moved. Yeah. We just didn't know it. See, a lot of times when he's moved, he's already moved, but we we don't we can't see him moving, and so we don't know that he's moved. Yeah. And unless you have that relationship with him, you know, you don't know when he's moving. That's right. You know, because God, it's like this. If you're trying to get get through something and you hadn't gotten through it yet, it's not that God hadn't moved. You hadn't moved. Yes. You know, you hadn't gotten up and, and you know, use your own two legs or, you know, your own ability. You know, because God has already given us everything that we need to succeed. He put it in us when we were born. And so... For us to be going through a situation, going through a problem, going through, you know, financial situation, health-wise, mind-wise, spirit-wise, God has already presented you and given you all the tools you need to succeed. That's right. And you just have to go ahead and take hold of them. That's right. And use them. Because it's there. He's given it to us. It's there. Victory is there. Victory is ours. We just have to reach up and grab it. And hold on to it. Right, right. But a lot of times, Brian, a lot of people are just so afraid of success that it just kills them. Mm-hmm. You ever met anybody that's just been afraid of to to succeed? Oh yeah. Because with success, it, it comes. You know what comes with that is responsibility. So a lot of people they just run from it. They just run from it. So run, run to Jesus. Run, run to the Lord. He's he's the he's our everything. He's our everything. Absolutely, absolutely. Brian, see if you can get Clash on the phone now while I give out the uh, telephone number. Okay, give me a second. Okay. Callers, if you're just listening in or if you're just li- you're listening in on the, the Internet, you can call in if you have any questions to 718-508-9600. That's 718 I'm sorry we didn't have a show on Friday. We were both, Brian and I both were out of town, and we were busy doing other things, but we're back tonight, and we're having DJ Clash should be joining us in uh, just a few minutes. Hello, Brian. Are you there? I'm back. Okay. Are you there with Clash? I'm announcing. <laughs> Do you want? <laughs> <D-O>. <laughs> I'm in the house. <laughs> you weren't gonna let me finish. I knew it. <laughs> How you doing, class? Blessed. God woke me up this morning. Yeah. Amen. Yes, he did, man. I think everybody's been waiting on you to to come in, and uh, everybody's just been waiting to hear you. I was saying before we called you that I received a lot of emails, and everybody was saying your show. It wasn't long enough when Clash was on there. I said, well, yeah, Clash wasn't on for about, probably about 30 or a couple of months, about 30, 35 minutes at the most. And wow. I said, well, you need to have him on there again, and you need to do this, and you need to do that. And then I get a call, a call from Clash saying, you know what, I need to come back on the show. There's more I need to do. So, And here we are, man. I'm so I'm so thankful. Brian and I both are. We're just thankful that, you, that you're here. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, yes, yes. We are definitely in the house right now. My New Life Part 2. The remix. (laughs) (laughs) The jingling. (laughs) 
first class. What's what's on your heart tonight, brother? I know forgiveness uh, is something, and pride is something that you've had to deal with over uh, most probably most of your career. Right. It, well, uh, part two to this, <laughs> what what actually was said into my spirit uh, for the young folks today um, is to always remember that there's always a uh, every choice that we make there's a consequence. And uh, I was just speaking to Molly Mall just a little while ago, um, maybe about an hour ago, and we were talking about uh, a rapper who's actually in his prime. He's 31 years of age, very young cat. He's uh, really good with the linguistics, and he just went to partying way too much and went into a massive asthma attack. Now the doctor's had told um, his cousin that he did not live for 10 whole minutes, that he was, there was no breath, no life in him. And evidently, life was restored back to him, but now he's on a machine, and a machine is actually um, supporting his life at this present time. And uh, I want to share to anyone, I, I guess, for the rapping age, I guess it starts at 10 all the way up, that there's three things that will land up and anyone at, at at any choice or any consequence it'll it'll start where if you think you're getting away with something if you're lying if you're cheating if you're stealing if you're smoking if you're drinking it will you think that you might be getting away with it now later on in the run either three things will happen and Satan's whole prerogative is to get you out quickly because his time is about to end. Now, to my brothers and sisters, there's the three things that I that, that just was planted in my spirit to, to teach you guys, ladies, sister, brother, you know, all races, is that the three things that will happen will either, A, you will end up in jail, B, you'll end up in the hospital, or C, you'll end up six feet under. And the thing is is that you can't get away. It's just like the movie Set It Off. Uh, Brian and Greg, we were talking about that, and it was about robbery. We all know it was a sin. And that these girls would heist up because they were low on their funds and what happened was they, they robbed it once, they robbed it twice, and the third time was fatal. It ended the, most of their lives in death. And I just want to, you know, say that to the youth because there's a lot of things on this earth that we could be doing so much. You know, we need to be helping one another, to be serving one another. And for those people that, you know, I even left behind, even from, you know, from the Queensbridge days, uh, from the Molly Mall's House of Hits days, all the way to my days of me being out in London, I've always learned that those things, you know, and handling the drugs and handling these expensive cars, uh, I, I just noticed that, Brian, most of these people that are hired into the industry and they're flashing, you know, diamonds, and they got the Bentleys. These are rent-a-cars, rent-a-jewelry. 
<laughs> Could you believe that? Oh, I, you know, I used to be in the industry, so I'm well aware of that. Man, could you believe running out of Bentley just for a day for a video, and the next thing you know, you're driving a a GTO or something like that at home. Yep. <laughs> you know. You know, and, but you know, and you know, to just to get on that for a second, you know, it's just it's an all it's all an illusion. You know, and the Bible speaks of vanity. You know, and what right. they're doing is they're 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 pouring into our spirits. You know. The the ungodly spirit of vanity, you know, they're putting in they're putting that spirit that that demonic spirit of vanity into our spirits at an early age. I mean, I was just uh, reading on the on the news, well, actually reading on the internet news the other day while they have this thing called a bling binky, where they wow. have a pacifier that's encrusted in rhinestones, oh. and they had to do a or or uh, Sarkovsky crystals. And they had to do a recall on it because they said they were afraid that the crystals would become dislodged and mm. could be a choking hazard for the for babies. Now wow. I'm thinking, you got a a crystal or diamond or whatever you want to call it encrusted pacifier. Mm. What does that say when you the baby doesn't even know he, the baby doesn't care what it is. As long as they can put it in their mouth, that's all they're satisfied with. But, you know, what does that say about the world when you can even put a price on a baby, uh, on a baby's pacifier, just a natural thing that a baby would do, and that sucks, and you put a a price, you put a spirit of vanity on that child right away because what else is that child going to look for when it gets older if it's had a diamond-encrusted pacifier? Yeah, it's a shame, you know, because everyone right now they're they're going for the visual, what they what they can see and what they can feel. It's and and this and the sad thing is is that in this music industry it's a lot of see and feel, and, and knowing that you know for the kids nowadays when they're looking at you know I I was looking at entertainment television uh, news the other day Brian and Greg, they have a, such a thing called Gold facials. I said, what? <laughs> I said, how in the world could you go for a gold facial? <laughs> that is just so, and it's just to know, just to to let the people feel good, you know? You know, in my, t- in, in my testimony, knowing that when I, I left the industry, I, you know, I before I, when I was still in it, I was still just feel I was just feeling good and I was replacing all my feelings into something else. It was if I was angry, I would replace it with read. If I was sad, I would replace it with drink. If I was you know in the mood for, you know, fighting or whatever, I would really go out on my drinking habit and also at the same time I was addicted to porn, you know, and those were the things that would calm me down, and it was a feeling. It was the visual look at how many times I saw somebody, like uh, when Billy D. Williams had did the Colt 45 commercial years ago, we thought, man, shoot, Billy D., he cool, you know, mm-hmm. but it was the sight, you know, and, and then the Bible, it does talk about, 
that we should be walking by faith and not by sight. First mm-hmm. Corinthians chapter four verse seven, mm-hmm. and we 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 need it. We need we need that so bad in, in, in today's era because people have grown short of knowledge, you know. And we we all need to be teaching one another, you know. For and that goes for every race, you know. It's mm-hmm. not just the black race. It's the white race. It's the Spanish race. It's the human race. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's primary. Yes, yeah, the human race, and you know. You know, we fell short when Adam and Eve decided they wanted to do their thing. Right, right. And and to know that, you know, when we when we go into that disobedience, you know, that there are repercussions. You know, there are things that will happen in our lives, and and it won't end up, you know, on the on the side we always want. You know, and right. and that also includes the spirit of envy. Mm. You know. I wanted to place that in because that that was just placed into my spirit right now because there's so many people out there and the youths are looking at, you know, Master P's and little Johns and little toes and square foots and all this other stuff. <laughs> I mean I mean they're looking at it and they're thinking, Wow, how much diamonds can I I mean, can you eat with diamonds in your mouth? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, they'll try it, and the system has got it to the point where you know it's it's you know like the Bible would talk about you know that there's always a master that we're going to serve, and which one is it? Is it going to be God, or is it going to be Satan? You know, and the last thing I can really say about this because you know I always try to correct every time I every time I speak to someone or I try to talk to someone and they're not listening, you know, to me or they, they have a, a half crossroad on them, you know, I always tell them, you know, that when, when we always talk defeated talk or when we look at things or see things and we're envious of all this stuff and they when we want the the, the lifestyle they live, you know, we we really need to actually think, you know, if we're so addicted to it, you know, let's look at it in the heavenly realm or the hell realm. You know, in, in the heavenlies, there is nobody wearing diamonds in their mouth. <laughs> there's, no, there's nobody out there wearing their pants past their behind, you know. There's nobody wearing do-rags in heaven, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then you look at the mental state of what Satan would be doing. What what would hell even reside in? What would they be wearing? What would they be doing? You know, and it makes it should really dwell into the concept. I hope that soaks in to a couple of these listeners because, you know, that's what they're doing in hell. They have defeated talk in hell. I presume that's what they're doing down there because they're always either yelling at each other, murdering one another, or raping one another, or doing something wild and outlandish, you know? Mm-hmm. But we, we, I mean, we all need to be thinking heavenly-minded, you know, and sometimes we don't. And right. we, we really need to f- clearly focus on those things above, you know? In the, in the music industry, all I was thinking about was things on this earth. You know, I was so earthly-minded that I, I could, <laughs> heaven couldn't even, resi- you know, couldn't reside in me because I always was thinking about how many times can I cuss out somebody or how many times can I drink or can I out-drink somebody, 
Hmm. That was the biggest thing for me in the bar, you know. And in the music industry, they that's what it is, you know. Right, right. How well, they have this thing called crunk, crunk juice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good gracious, you know. They're keeping our mentality, you know. You know, even when I hear someone say, "I'm coming over to your crib," I'm like, "What?" <laughs> you know, they want to put us into the the baby set, you know. And I don't, you know. <laughs> you know, I never my, thought about my, it like that. My house is called a house, not a crib. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, that, those are the things that just, you know, I would love to see our young youth, you know, really get into the to focus in their mind, I mean, a mind is a terrible thing to waste. I always saw that uh, that the thing back in the 70s, oh, my goodness, I'm truly actually telling my true age now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. God got me here this far. You might as well be glad about it. <laughs> I thank God I'm 40. And, you know, when you ever saw that thing where they put your brain is on drugs, yeah. and then they put it in this frying pan, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's just a terrible thing to waste. And, and I just, I, I know that I'm hitting someone, you know, right. that they can change this. It only took one person. Martin Luther King was one person that changed the civil rights movements for us. Right. It took uh, Jesus Christ to actually put Christianity into effect. You know, it only, took, it only takes one person. Right, right. Hey, Clash, we have a, a question that came over from a fan on email. Okay. All right, and the question is, how did DJ Clash become homeless? Wow, okay. Well, and, and part one, we, we were talking about uh, pride. Pride was the, the enemy. It, it, it's, a, it's a spirit, that's a, it's a demon spirit of pride, and I... Did not I did not have a teachable spirit. Um, I didn't want to be told about heaven or hell. And uh, when I was leaving the House of Hits uh, in the year of 1991, uh, after I had did TLC's um, two cuts on their LP, I decided I thought I could make it. I, I thought I could make this on my own. And when I went into the music industry, there was um, like three or four A and R's that said, hey, listen, we can get you paid further than Marley Mall. And <laughs> evidently it was, you know, I got two checks out of doing actually two artists and they never put it out. And the total amount of money I ever made was $7,000. And $7,000 went quick because uh, I thought I had friends and those friends weren't really friends. Right. And I all of a sudden got hooked into the streets. I started hanging around a, a bad crowd, and finally I was homeless. I, you know, to, and, and to know that I was living from house to house. I only would live there maybe for about a week, and then I would get back into my drinking again. And, I mean, it was, I was at a very pitiful state. And, and how I got there, it, it was just, Think I, I was thinking that the music industry owed me more, you know, and evidently they didn't care who Clash was, you know, because, you know, knowing that I had eight platinum records and six gold records on my wall, that really didn't mean nothing to them. 
So, Quash, do you think it was more about the industry itself, or do you think God was sitting you down uh, because you was heading for destruction? Okay, I, I heard a little bit of that. I didn't hear it clearly. Say that again one more time. Okay, do you think it was you thinking the industry owed you, or do you think God was just placing you in a position where he could talk to you or minister to you or or to let you know who DJ Clash really was? Um. Well, see, at that point in time, I, I didn't know who Jesus Christ was. I didn't know who my Lord and Savior was. I didn't know what the power of, of God was. I didn't know any of those things. But all I knew, I, at that point in time, to be very honest, I was I was a very hateful person. You know, I, I didn't believe God was doing anything, and I didn't believe Satan was doing anything because I didn't know no better um, until that year of 1997. It was the very kind of. It was the very tail end of me at my homelessness, and I believe that at that point in time, when Pat did say, "You know, if you died today, would you go to heaven or hell?" That was the most strongest statement. I mean, that statement was so strong that really, seriously, I, when I did tell the lady, I said, "Well, I'm destined for. I'm destined for hell." And I'm going to still keep on doing the same old. I'm just going to do me. It didn't. It, it it didn't fit in the pocket after that fifth minute, because I had to run, literally run right back to her. And I believe right then and there, God was speaking to me. You know, but at previous prior to that, I didn't believe God was speaking to me or Satan was speaking to me or I didn't know anything. Yeah, and you said you were homeless for ten years. Yeah. Something that stood out to me, and I, I still remember when you told me, um, I don't know if you want to say it on here, but I, I, I just feel that I, I, wanna, I want people to really understand what it was like for you to be homeless for 10 years. You said that uh, you stayed behind people's houses uh-huh. and, and that you remember one time you, was, you, you, you were taking a shower and uh-huh. you just didn't think that type of dirt could be on a body. Oh, my goodness. Take us there with you. Uh, I, I'm going to take you there. Um, the very first year that I was homeless, um, uh, the first place I can remember, li- I, I was actually living in Central Park underneath a tunnel, like underneath a, uh, um, uh, like a, yeah, just like a little tunnel area, and I, and I, I slept there, and I felt comfortable. The very few, the, the very second or third night, I did not agree to any of those things that was happening with me. And um, I just, it, I guess it was a, a blend. It was like still being incorporated into me, and I thought it was normal. Half of me thought it was normal. Half of me wanted to cry. I mean, I cried for many a different nights. Um, the, the other points of me living in porno movie theaters, I mean, I would see people in there doing things, that I got addicted to and I started the same things like masturbation at that point in time because I thought it was my release because I couldn't get no girls while I was, you know, homeless. And the 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 stink from my body was really irritating people. So it made it kinda enclosed me, it kinda put me by myself even more because when people were around me, they smelled like, oh, my goodness, you smell like 
you know, defecation. You smell like urine. You, you know, and and it did not. I, I didn't want no help. I seriously did not want no help at that time from anybody because I was ashamed. I mean, my teeth were dirty, my mouth, my my thought life, my hair. I I was itching it all the time. Um. I was just a funk box. <laughs> wow. We'll just call it the funk box. And I did within the next three within the next three to four years. Uh, I got to the point of you know moving into people's houses just for a week, two weeks, and they thought I that they could help me, but still. You know, they were telling me, "Yo, why don't you take a shower? Why don't you take a shower?" <laughs> I think by the fifth year, I started. I took the shower, and you know, to be five years without a shower—that is—that's really uncool. Yeah. Believe me, try. I mean, the cake of dirt that jumped off my body—I just felt like, oh my goodness, is this the color of my real skin? You know, wow. and. It was just, it was still at the point I, my, my mind was still twisted because now four or five years had already settled in and my, I developed a thing called thinking, thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it just, I, I, I had a very poor attitude and every time I tried to seek help, you know, I kept on hearing this thing about fire and brimstone within my seventh or eighth year, and I was like, oh, man, your guys are just turning me off. Your guys are holy rollers. I don't need to be around y'all, you know? Yeah. And, and believe me, trust me, there were a few people within my last years, my last two years of being homeless, that they were trying to really do that. They were, And they were not being mean. They were not saying it facetiously. They were not saying it to hurt my feelings. They were actually saying it very cordial. You know, and uh, Bryant, we were just talking about that also in a prior conversation. You know, they were very cordial about it. They didn't want to hurt me, but I hurt myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Clash, we have another uh, question that came over email from a fan. Okay. And the question is, did your dreams change when you accepted Christ? Okay. <laughs> the only thing that I ever dreamt about was me either flying or either me getting fired. <laughs> and I really don't get, I, as far as the dream interpreting thing, I've always knew that when I was in a job and I knew that I was about to be fired, uh, my my dream set it to 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 move on. Um, about anything else, interpreting my dreams while I got saved, I really don't. I, I I even if I do dream right now, I probably forget about it unless it was a really good dream and I was in heaven. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, class, we have another question too um, uh -huh. from, from a fan from MySpace. Okay, uh, they want to know what drove you to the streets. We know that you were homeless, but what uh -huh. was it? What What were your thoughts, and what made you accept uh, the streets? What, what type of emotions or feelings were you battling that made you just live on the streets for 10 years 
you know, to the point where you say, well, I have family, but I won't go to them. I would rather just stay here on the streets. What was it that made you stay there for all those years? Um, apparently it was nowhere else to go. And, you know, at that time, like I said, I, I just, I didn't know no really nobody that lived on the street. You know, I never knew, uh, even when I used to see people living underneath cardboard boxes, and I've experienced that also, uh, I, I just knew that my body odor was just too strong to be, you know, around anybody, and, I, and it just kept me in the street because I saw people living in the streets, and they looked like they were making uh, it day by day. And I, I remember a couple of Cut, like about two days I starved. You know, I would always find some food or for, some scraps and and just, I mean, out of all humility, I remember even li- eating out of a garbage can. I, I never discussed that with anybody. I know that <laughs> that's heart-wrenching, but um, I, I used to live in the street, and that was it. You know, I mean, like I said, I, I couldn't find no friends. I... You know, nobody wanted to still be around me. My, I know my mother had tried to reach out to me a couple of times, but I, I, I wasn't trying to hear the Jehovah Witnesses no more. I wasn't trying to get into that circuit anymore. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, I just didn't, you know, God bless the Jehovah Witnesses, but, you know, knowing what I know now, the truth, you know, and the, the true deity of Jesus Christ, I mean, he could do everything, you know, for me. And... To, to end it, to conclude that, that part of the sentence about the street, there was no really nobody that influenced me to go there except for myself. And um, and like a, a, a pearl of wisdom was shined on me a couple of times during my uh, stay on the streets was, you know, life is what I make it. And the streets was my bed, you know. And like some, you know, rappers, producers, DJs, slash remixes like myself, um, I don't know anyone that ever got to that low point in life. Um, You know, for me to step out of the music industry, you know, out of a legendary status, to to end up on streets, I never thought I would ever end up there. But for 10 years, I stayed there, and that's all I knew. And it's like with uh, some families that, uh, you know, when they're, they're training these kids somewhat to learn how to pick up stuff off of people's desks or houses or whatever, they're training them actually to steal, and they think it's normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and by the very first month, you know, still my my feelings, my, my whole attachment to life was just gone because I'm thinking now the streets are normal, you know. But there was, there was maybe about 10% out of me was just crying for help, and I didn't know really who to go to because I always I, I had to see the person in, in person to believe it, you know. And that's why I thank God for, for Paul and, and our Bible. He, you know, he's the only one that never saw Jesus Christ in the flesh, you know, like Peter and the disciples did. And this man had awesome faith that he could abound and, and, and that he could, you know, he was whipped. He was put into jail. He was 
there were so many things that happened to Paul, but still, he was, his mission was to, to spread the gospel. And that's what I love about him because, you know, I, I, that Paul is my the best person I know, the best character in the whole Bible yeah. to me. He personally speaks to me, and I, and I noticed that when I was being saved, that I, when I was reading Acts and, you know, the things in the city of Corinth and where this man went to. I want every young person, every older person to research their Bible, to re- really insert themselves into it because, you know, the streets, the, a blunt, uh, whiskey, Heineken's, whatever it is, you know, it can't nowhere near replace God. God's real touch on you, you know, and it, and it's not a a feeling where that you want to do somersaults or whatever. It you genuinely will know when God is there, you know. And I just inspire people to to read their Bibles. Fifteen minutes out of a day wouldn't hurt, you know. Yes. Or and, and pray because that's what we all need to do. And at that point in time, guess what? I wasn't exercising no prayer at all. <laughs> I didn't even, all I remember was Psalms 23, but it vaguely left me. And I did not even memorize none of it while I was on the street. Well, Class, let me ask you this. You know, we may have someone that's listening that's on the verge of going out on the streets and on the verge of becoming homeless. You know, those 10 years you walked the streets, Jesus saw you. He saw his son. Oh, he says it, yeah. He saw his son walking the streets, roaming the streets, confused, lost, hurting, and crying out. Now that you can look back on those 10 years, I want to know what was going through your mind. What were you thinking those 10 years of of being on the streets? Did you think that I'm here because I'm supposed to be here? Were you hard on yourself or... uh, did you not forgive Clash from some of the decisions that you've made in your life, or did you hold it something against your family or the music industry? What was it? I know you probably were bitter at you know those ten years. Did you think, did you did you ever think that life just dealt you a bad hand, or do you think Jesus was trying to to punish you? I know I'm asking you a lot of things, but I know there's something in you that you can say that will definitely touch someone that's that's probably looking at the same road that you went down. Well, for those people that are looking down that road or whatever, you know, we can, I, I, I think this would summarize it, we can be our own worst enemy. Good God. Um, we can seriously be our own worst enemy, and, and we're not... We can't blame no one else. We can't blame the streets. We can't blame our mothers. Uh, we can't bring our, blame our upbringing. We can't, bring, we can't blame those people in the barbershop or whatever. It, it's ourselves. And, and you know, when, when, things, when things are looking that rough and you're out there on that edge, you know, I mean, the, the moment we, all, we can look at the Bible and we can see that when, whenever Jesus Christ was in trouble. Guess what words came out of his mouth? Yes. And and to know that if we keep silent, and that's what I did. I kept silent. I didn't even speak no not one good thing to me. All I said is that I'm going down a tunnel and I'm not coming out of it. 
and I was prophesizing all over my life. You know, for those young people that are out there right now that are looking at that road or even looking at it just halfway, look, the thing is is that you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. You ask him to take, take and, and you put him to the test, you know. I had to actually challenge the word, know what, what God's promises are in the Bible, and that I'm the head and never the tail, and that I'm blessed going in and blessed going out, you know. Yeah. And I know that I lost a lot of friends, but guess what? I kept God in focus. I had to keep him focused because he was my best friend, you know. And even though, to the young people, if you if you know what I'm saying, I, if you can even just place yourself at reading anything that's in even Proverbs, the book of knowledge, it'll tell you, you know. You know, in Proverbs 3, 5, that trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your, un, uh, to your own understanding, you know, and that he'll, he'll direct the path. You know, it's trusting in him. And, you know, and that's when you put that principle into, into motion. Once you put that principle into motion that you tr- you're going to trust, trust him with all your heart. God, I can, man, anybody that wants to sign a piece of paper right now that wants to prove God to the, put God to the test, I would love for you all guys to send me any type of piece of paper Write down what God, what you need for God to do according to His good and perfect will. That He'll promise He'll 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 make it come to pass. You know, I I married for almost close to three years, and I knew that God was more than superior because my my wife wants to tell me to be a stay home husband, and there's not too many wives out there that are telling people your husbands stay home and be a stay home husband, <laughs> but. God's blessing is there. You know, I, I I did what God told me to do. And one and, and like I said in part one, to any young follower right now or just at the verge of saying, Hey, you know what, I'm ready I'm ready to commit, remember that if you're doing God's business, once you do his business, he'll do yours. That's it. That's it. You know, Clash, I was uh I was talking to somebody this weekend, and, you know, one of the things, like um, before we brought you on, Greg and I were talking about, you know, did you see anybody that when you, you know, when uh, I went to a family reunion this past weekend and I saw a lot of my family members who I hadn't seen in, you know, five or ten years. Uh And, you know, some of them had changed Uh over that time. And, you know, a lot of them said that I had changed, you know, not, you know, not just in the physical sense, but just in the, you know, they could tell there was something different about me, and I could tell there was something different about them. You right. know, and, you know, while we were talking, you know, we were discussing, you know, a lot of different issues, but one of the things that that kind of, um, that I wanted to sort of throw out at you is what do you do when you're faced with revealing a part of your past that you don't want nobody to know about. Well, I'm <laughs> I'm pretty much an open book. 
at this present time because I've learned how to be humble. I, I want people to to know that, you know, I'm I'm a transparent person. I mean, to those people who 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 come into my life right now and that's left my life, or people that just stayed around, you know, just to see, wait a minute, let me see if God is going to work in this. You know, and I tell them the real and and the thing is is that to, to show them the real deal, to let them know, hey, listen, you know what, I was in trouble with the Italian mafia. They were going to put concrete blocks on me and throw me, uh, that's real. At first it was a little heart-wrenching to say even that or even tell people that I used to eat out of the garbage, you know. I, I let people know that I'm just as transparent, and just to let them know that I am transparent, that's what the Bible is. Jesus never had no undercover scheme or he never had no plan to say, hey, wait a minute, let me just give him two-thirds of the truth and uh, I'll, let him I'll let him debate on other things, <laughs> you know. We, and, and like for all Christians, even when I meet up with people who um, lo are looking at a new clash, a new DJ clash, they're like, well, yo, man, why don't you come out to do I used to do that. I don't do that no more. Well, come on, come on, you can smoke this. No, I used to do that. I don't do that no more. You know, and it's surprising to them that when I do share that testimony, either two things happen. And like I said, I, I, I've lost a many, lost a many of friends. You know, either two things are going to happen. They're either going to be hungry for what God had put in their life, saved their life from, because we all, We've been through some some crazy stuff before we got saved. Yes. You know, uh, one of my oh, friends man. was just you know one of my friends was telling me he he said he shot his two sisters in the brain, smoked pot, laughed about it, and now he's a he's a, a ordained minister right now and teaching the word on eighteen different radio stations and television. So it shows that God does, the, he, he can take the worst of us, you know? But to, I mean, to even share, I, you know, to shooting his two sisters, you know, and then laughing about it, that was like, whoo, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I ain't never heard nobody, but he was transparent, you know? He was letting people know that this was my life, you know? And, you know, just like to, to summarize the part where the two people, when they do hear my, they, when they do hear this crossroad and they hear, they're at their crossroad and they want to hear the truth, and I tell them this, they'll travel along for about a week or two because they're unused to it. it it's just like when Jesus said, come on out of, out, out of the boat and walk on this water because they flesh ain't used to this, you know? And sometimes we all do. We think, and we say, Jesus. <laughs> but most people don't call it. Nobody calls on his name anymore. Yeah. Only unless they're in dire need of trouble. Yes. Class, like we, have a, we have a caller that I really want to get in. Okay. Uh, he's, he's calling in from the 609 area code. Caller, are you there? Hey, yo, what's up? This is A1. What's good? You know I wanted you to call in. A1. <laughs> you didn't think I was listening, did you? Clash. Clash. This is, this is A1, and you guys really going to have to hook up after this phone call. Okay. Definitely. Yeah, what's up, A1? All right, what's going on, Clash? What's going on, Brian? How y'all doing? Doing, yeah, blessed. Man. We're blessed, doing man. 
Hey, listen, I just was listening to the part where you asked him, Clash, about what does he do when he's confronted with his testimony or his past when someone, um, you know, just questions him about, you know, his past transgressions as far as, like, he used to be X and he used to be Y. And um, it's ironic because I actually had an opportunity to um, speak at my church on Sunday, and I was talking about the whole armor of God and how as, when we're in a battle how we have to have our armor on. And one of the things that we wear is our breastplate of righteousness. And that's symbolic of, you know, no longer going out in our own self-righteousness because the Bible tells us that our own righteousness is filthy rags. But when we go out, we have God's self-righteousness that, you know, covers a multitude of sin. The Bible says that his blood covers a multitude of sin. And so when people see us, they no longer see us, but they see Jesus going before us. So I've just learned that the word of God is true. And when confronted about our past transgressions, we can, you know, receive it, be like, yeah, I was that drug dealer, but because of Christ, now, you know, I'm peddling this new, you know, addictive Holy Spirit. You know, I was that whoremonger, but now, you know, I'm trying to be that man of God to show the women that there are other options out there, you know. So when we, when we, when we come to grips and be honest about who we were, we can help lead the people who are stuck in that same bondage that God brought us out of into the same place of promise that we're at now. It's like a building that was on fire. God helped you to come out of that building unscathed, but you still know that there's people who are still in that building on fire. So you can go back in there and rescue them because you know the way out. <laughs> so right. it's like right. it, the testimony piece, it's good because your friends be like, if not for the grace of God, you know, you still be there smoking with them, going to the club with them, whatever it is. But now you can show them that there's options and thank God for, you know, the prosperity piece and the soul prospering and being able to be like, you know what, it ain't that bad on the other side. You know, you can have it all and more. God said, Jesus said he came to have life, have it more abundantly, have it more fully, have it more completely. And the reality is, I know class could probably testify to this because I heard him talking earlier when he was like just trying to outdrink people and, you know, trying to, you know, have more women than people and whatever he was doing when he was in the music scene. In the morning, the morning after, you're still empty. You still had no sense of fulfillment, no sense of purpose. But now with purpose, living a purpose-driven um, life, you know, the, the fulfillment of seeing a soul come to Christ, to see someone be delivered from whatever state they were in, it, it, just, it, it, it sparks your faith. It gives you the, um, the desire to go and do more. Right. Uh, you, I, you know what? Go ahead. I'm sorry, A1. No, I, I was going to say I want to run my mouth. I know, you know, the hour is going late for your show. I had to get in there, though. <laughs> sorry, brother, man. You, you're truly blessed and highly favored. We all are highly favored people, even when we were sinners. I, I also want to, this just also dropped into my spirit to, um, for the youth. I, you know, as many things that we dabble into, as many things that we've experimented with, you know, with our bodies, putting stuff in our bodies. Uh, I was just <laughs> with, I was hanging out with a, a couple of people and uh, uh, just the other day, and they were talking about, hey, man, come on, let's do this. It's, it's a new thing, and it's these things called, you know, jello shots at these parties that do uh, some, some crazy stuff to your body. And he said, come on, class, just try a little bit of it. And I told him, I said, so that means if I if I gave you if I baked you your favorite stuff, like what do you like? He said cookies. I love the cookies. Mm. I said so if I actually put cat poop in each one of those little cook cookies, would you eat it? <laughs> I said it's just a little bit. 
You know, but the thing is, is that even the, the, the youth right now, they're, they're trying to experiment with things. You know, especially in the music industry, they want to try to throw as many crazy slandering words against our black females talking about they need to jump on poles and and clap how many times in the air, you know. And the thing is, is that seriously, they're, they're evidently promoting it so that our our black youth, our, just the human race will say, <laughs> is, is conformed to it and they think it's normal. When they're doing it, and they're touching it. You know, they're touching, and I see the aspects down here. I live here in North Carolina now, okay. and, and they're touching it because I, I listened to this one guy, and not knowing, I, I didn't know if he was a Christian rapper or a secular rapper. I didn't know who he really was. But when I got to his house and he started, he started writing his rhymes on the paper, it started with girls being okay, this was okay, and this was okay. His second verse started to become borderline. Then his third verse became crazy. I was like, woo! I said, and he asked me what I produce him. Now, mind you, to, to each person that, that's listening right now, I do not produce anything that actually degrades any race. Mm-hmm. I don't. You know? And I, I believe that God is, is the, the center of this. You know, we need to put on, we really seriously need to get out of that broken record stage. You know, just like in our first word, we put that record of Jesus Christ on, and things will end up right. Because whatever you do, whatever you do in putting God first, He'll always make it last. Yes, He will. Hey, one, we have about a minute left, brother. I'm gonna give it to you. All right, bro. And I just, you know, I'm a youth minister. So one thing that I believe is in the world today, in the circular world, especially in the music, the the young artists are being empowered at a young age to go forth at 12, 13, and they're going multi-platinum. Their impact in the world from Little Bow Wow to Criss Cross. When they were young, they were empowered. So we as believers have to get out of this tradition of waiting till people are 20 and 30 before they're considered eligible to minister. We have to empower them at a young age because there's an audience that they can reach. They are just as gifted and just as talented, but they have something that the world can't offer. They have the anointing of Christ resting on their lives. And if we empower these young people at 11, 12, find out their gifts and talents, they can move and win back a generation that the enemy desires to sift this week. That's all I want to say is that older people have to begin to empower this younger generation, or we're going to lose every generation that's yet to come. Amen. Oh, man, I enjoyed to hear that. Hey, Clash, we appreciate you coming on, man. A1, we thank you for those last no little words of wisdom. No doubt. With that, you all are listening to the Abundant Solutions Hour. Tune in on Wednesday. We're going to have another great show. And remember always to be more, do more, and have more. Until Wednesday, we thank you and God bless.